Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Yarden Chiked, CEO and founder of Veros, a data analytics platform that recently raised $4 million in funding. Yarden, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me, Brett. It's good to be here. Yeah, so before we can talk about what you're building, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in uh, New Jersey. I went to Emory. I studied finance and data analytics there. Then I became a finance person. So I was in uh, investment banking for a few years and then private equity for a few years. On the side that whole time, I was doing a little bit of angel investing, just small checks just mm-hmm. to get into the startup world. And then at some point, decided to jump in and want to get into the operating side myself instead of just the investing side. Got it. Very cool. And to dive into Varos now, is it Varos, Veros? Yeah, both work. The jury is still <laughs> out. I say Veros, but many say Varos. All right, let's go to Veros then. So in terms of what you're building there, you know, what problem are you solving and who are you solving that problem for? The problem that we're solving is e-commerce companies, SaaS startups, they're very data-driven, but they only have access to their own data. So you know your customer acquisition costs, your retention rate, your churn, your revenue growth, things like that. But you don't know how it compares to others. So you don't know if it's good or bad. And if bad, where, right? Like what mm-hmm. part of the funnel is it soft in? You also don't know how things are trending. So let's say customer acquisition cost spikes 15% week over week. Was it something that happened to you or was it something that happened to the market? So basically what we do is everyone feeds in data into us. We're a data cooperative. Uh, mm-hmm. so feed in data to us via API. We run like a bunch of aggregation, anonymization, and normalization algorithms on top of that. And then we show it back to you in a dashboard and email reports. So you can see how you stack up, you can find where to improve, and you can see how your KPIs are trending compared to similar companies. And what's the incentive for companies to share that data? It's a give-to-get model. So you can't actually get the data back in return unless you you give us data. Mm, got it. So is there a critical mass in terms of a, the number of companies you need for a specific vertical for that data to be useful? Yeah, there is. It's like quite complicated. Like there's not just, you know, one number, but it's obviously a hard thing to start because there's a chicken and egg there. But now, you know, we've sort of crossed, uh, we've got over a thousand companies that are sharing data with us. So the critical mass, this was like a problem for the early days, which was hard. You know, you just had to scrape by and like beg people to give you data and do what you could. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of things that don't scale and manual analyses for them and things like that, just to make it worth their while. And then after a while, like it kind of flips and then it's like, okay, now you're the one that has something that they want and their data means a little bit less to you. Makes sense. And who's your like dream customer right now, would you say? Our target is founders, CEOs, CMOs of SaaS businesses. So like between, let's say, Series A to Series D and e-commerce businesses that are doing a million to $100 million of revenue a year. Those are like the ideal customers that we work with. Got it. And if I'm one of those potential customers, you know, what's the pitch to me? How are you, you know, communicating those benefits? I mean, they understand the problem pretty well, right? We're basically saying like, look, right now you're flying blind. We're going to give you data finally on how you compare to other companies. Super simple to sign up. 
And you're going to be able to see how you stack up. You're going to be able to figure out like if your business is healthy or not. And if not, like where should you improve? And you're going to be able to keep a finger on the pulse every week with very easy to use reports. Got it. And you guys were also part of Y Combinator. Do you want to talk us through that experience? You know, some of the value you got from that and just, you know, general views of the program? Yeah, definitely. So YC was really, really special. So first, like the interview process is fun. You fill out this long form um, mm-hmm. that asks you everything about your business, both like everywhere from what are you doing to what your traction is to how do you make money to you know, where are you going to be in five years? It's actually a very hygienic process to just go through and answer that form uh, mm-hmm. just because you realize like, oh, I actually didn't think about that question, right? And it's uh, pretty important. And then if you pass the next round, it's a 10-minute interview. And basically, like, it's known as very intense interviews. Like, one of the common ways to practice for these interviews is someone is like asking you questions and then another person is throwing socks at you and you have to avoid that. (laughs) Uh, Because it's like rapid fire. There's no pleasantries at the start. You know, if they get your answer, then they cut you off and go to the next one. And it's also in your best interest to answer as fast as you can. Because if at the end of the 10 minutes, they don't have a good enough feel for your business, then they're not going to let you in. So we did that. And then that night, they uh, let you know if you get in or not. So if you don't get in, they send you an email. And if you do, they, they call you. So we got in. And then so we were in the summer 21 batch. I was in San Francisco for that. And then it's basically like throughout the program, you're just gun to your head growing. Like you just have no choice. The positioning is in three months, you have what's called demo day, which is you present to the best investors in the world. And you're shot out of a cannon. You know, you don't just have like a, Let me take a practice meeting here and do that. Like you have this one day that you have to go and do it right. So you're really just getting the business ready to go fundraise. So that's like growth and product. And you're also, you know, a few weeks before starting to prep decks and the pitch uh, and things like that. And then also the other founders are everyone is very cool and very talented. It's a very close knit community. And then you go to demo day and you have a bunch of fundraising meetings and, you know, you hopefully get the offers that you want. And then you raise money and you leave and you go on to build your business from that like a lot better foundation than you would have done just on your own. Very cool. And do you remember what it was like the day you got that phone call letting you know that you've been accepted? Yeah, it was epic. We had a funny situation that me and my co-founder were in Tel Aviv at the time. So we didn't hear yes or no either way that night for Pacific time. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we were kind of freaking out. And then... (laughs) I got a WhatsApp from one of our partners, uh, Brad. He sent me a WhatsApp like, hey, are you up? Like He was actually being nice and just waiting for me to wake up to not wake me up at five in the morning. Um, <laughs> and then you know, I realized once we got that WhatsApp, like uh, we're most likely in. But yeah, it was really exciting. Just also because like I think as a lot of other founders, it's kind of like Harvard or something when mm-hmm. you're in high school and you want... like It's the pinnacle. It's always what you think of. Like Everything I know from startups is YC's YouTube channel and Paul Graham's uh, <laughs> articles, right? So yeah. it's like to get there and like to be in there and have access to them was really special. And it was like some imposter syndrome and all that stuff. But it was really great. And I'm happy we did it. Amazing. And what would you say if you had to boil it down to like one key takeaway or lesson that you walked away from Y Combinator? What would that be? I think it's like there's a lot of hype in the market around building big teams, scaling really quick, things like that. And 
their methodology is a lot more stay lean, focus only on what matters, listen mm-hmm. to your customers all the time. As founders, get your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. Build a team of people that want to get their hands dirty, do things that don't scale. Like It feels like a lot of the market doesn't have that. Like They'll raise money and they'll go hire 20 people and they'll hire a bunch of people to do the founders' jobs. And then they're kind of like running this company at some point mm-hmm. where actually a lot of times it's a lot better to be very lean, to be very scrappy, to run a bunch of experiments, to be just talking to users and building product all, all day. So you find like a lot of YC companies have that mentality and you know a bunch don't outside of that. Naturally, YC also is like worried about your burn. So they're like, you'll find like YC companies have a lot lower burn usually than mm-hmm. like a normal VC backed company just because they push like, you know, extend that runway instead of just sprinting to a series A. Like everyone is sprinting to a series A or series B, you know, to the next round. But you find that the YC companies, they have more buffer, like they're sprinting, but they're sprinting mm-hmm. on a more leaner budget. Got it. Very cool. And now when it comes to market categories, how do you think about that? I think I had read in a release, you talked about, you know, you were building the data analytics category and you viewed that as a new category. Can you just talk us through that? Yeah, yeah. So I think what we were saying was we were building like the competitive data analytics category. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, people today have analytics of their own and we're adding like a category of like, how do you compare to others? And like, that's not a very common thing that you're able to do today. And so category building is hard because, as I'm sure you know well, is basically like there's a lot of market education that comes into it too, right? Because if you're building something new, then they haven't used it yet. So let's say if you make something 10x better, like superhuman over Gmail, it's kind of easy adoption because it's Mm -hmm. like, you're already doing this. Here's my 10x better solution. Mm -hmm. When you're saying you're not already doing this, but you should be doing it, There's like a lot more explanation and convincing and like talking about the problem in multiple ways. But that's also, you know, sort of your boat and the big opportunity. But it's like very interesting to be in that situation. I'm starting a book now about the category building. I wonder if you've read it or you've heard of it. Let me remember the name of it. Play Bigger? Play Bigger, yeah. Yep, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Is it good? I'm, I'm just at the start. So should I keep going? Yeah, I would read that one. And then there's another one. I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Anthony Canetta. He was the CMO of Gainsight. And he wrote a book about category creation that's very, very tactical. And it's you know, really from the trenches, from his experience in building a category. So I think Play Bigger is really good for you know kind of that high-level idea. And then, of course, you know, Anthony's is a bit more on the tactical side. Got it. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure you're reading all of these. Yeah, that's like our uh, our Bible. So we spend a lot of time you know, considering that stuff and just talking about categories in general. Any yeah. lessons that you've learned along the way so far You know, in your journey of trying to create a new category? That it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Like I think there's a lot of things in startups that I've learned. A lot of things sound really sexy. And in a way, from like a very high level, it's hard. Like when you actually get into the nitty gritty, I'm curious about this book now because I, I, my guess is that he talks about some of this stuff is like the really valuable things are really hard to do and to Mm -hmm. unlock still when i say like that it still sounds sexy but like hard things are actually hard like it means like the day-to-day like you know you fail at a lot of things you know a lot of things are frustrating things like that so i think the main takeaway is it's hard but it's also like fun 
And part of you is like, you could be wrong, you could be right. Like that's something about category creation. It's like, again, going back to the superhuman example, if you just go from first principles, if you build a way better email than Gmail, it's not many questions out there of like, if this is going to be a good product or not, right? Like if there's going to be adoption, like people are going to use just the best version. Where when you're creating a category, there's always this question of like, intuitively it makes sense and people say it, but until you actually see usage and things like that, you don't know for sure if you're onto something because until then it's really just a hypothesis. So I found that that's quite interesting. And like, obviously when that's the case, like sometimes your hypothesis can be right and sometimes it can be wrong and it can be nuanced, you know? Like, oh, I, I was still right about some of this stuff, but I have to approach it in a different way. Very cool. All right. So last question here, you know, what are you excited about? You know, if you look at you know, the future of the company, you know, what really excites you and motivates you? I think it's in this category building space, right? It's like mm-hmm. the challenge. I think every founder gets into the game for the challenge, right? We all could be making you know more money and have a better work-life balance and stuff <laughs> in other places. But like the part of proving our hypothesis right, or at least taking our best swing at mm-hmm. that, and, you know, really growing this thing and building up uh, our user base and our company base. And yeah, kind of like adding this layer to the data analytics space and, and changing the way things are done. It's just like a very motivating tactic. And, you know, also building the team. Now we, we raised some money. So uh, it's just growing the team and moving from just founders to, you know, being more of a real company and stuff like that. <laughs> and so that's been really fun lately. We've grown a ton on the headcount side. So yeah, just making those things happen. Amazing. Very cool. Well, I think that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. Before we wrap up, if people want to follow along with your journey as you build here, where should they go? Check us out at varos.com, V-A-R-O-S.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter, um, posting a good amount there on Startup Journey and our product specifically. So it's my name, Yard and Shaked. So you'll, you'll be able to find me. Amazing. Well, thanks so much and look forward to seeing you execute on this vision and create this category. Cool, Brad. It was fun, man. Thank you. Cheers, man. Bye. 